Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new and settling stories, taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. This happened relatively recently, and I thought it best to share while all the details are still fresh in my mind. I, a 23-year-old male university student, was driving home from work and decided that I wanted a pizza. I pulled into the local pizza shop near home, Saturday night, and it's pretty busy, staffed by three young women. When I say young women, I'm talking like teenagers. I don't know how it is elsewhere in the world, but working at a pizza shop here in Australia is very much a get-paid-cash-after-school type of job. As I'm ordering, the girl taking the order is super distracted, like she's looking right past me at something that I'm not aware of. But as I'm trying to pay, she yells out to the two other girls prepping and cooking something like, Oh, thank God Matt is back. Pseudonym for the internet, because I don't really remember the name that she said. As she said this, an employee that looked to be the delivery boy walked into the store, but pretty much came in and straight away did a 180 turn, taking more pizzas and leaving. I pay and turn to sit and wait, and that's when I see what the girl had been looking at behind me. Standing next to the entryway door, peering through the shop face window, is a visibly terrifying man. He was about 5'10", in his late 20s or early 30s, rat-like, pudgy, unnaturally pale with dark spots under his eyelids, long and greasy dark hair, and sharp-looking, almost cylindrical teeth. Weirdly, I thought, hmm, maybe that's her mate, but obviously I got bad vibes. My initial reaction was just confusion at the sight of him through the window. At this point, Another guy comes in to pick up some pizzas, pretty much right as I sit down, and the girl freezes up while serving him too. But this time she apologizes and says something like, Sorry, I'm a bit distracted because this guy won't stop coming to my job and staring at me through the window. My boss banned him, but he comes back whenever he's gone. I take a proper look at the window guy now, and he's pointing at her and waving while making other weird gestures with his hands. This instantly made me very uncomfortable, so without really thinking, I went outside to confront the guy about what he was doing. I had a fair bit of adrenaline pumping and don't really remember what I said, but it was like, you have to leave, you're scaring the workers. He just stared at me and did this weird wheeze in exasperation. It was about as dismissive as a wheeze could be. Then, through a whiny voice, he said, I'm not doing anything. I said, you're being a creep, and you're banned. Get out of here. And then I walked back in. The creep stormed off, and I thought it was solved. The girl thanked me, and asked what he had said. I said he didn't really say anything. And she explained the things that she had to the other guy before but also explained that the window guy had said some really lewd and gross things to her in the past. Just as I'm sitting back down, the guy comes back in with a bank card in his hand. I said, what did I just tell you? 
Get out of here. But he makes a beeline straight to the counter and orders a pizza. The girl froze up, but I could tell that she made the choice to put through his order because she was scared of how he would react if she didn't. Then he came and sat down right next to me and said, See, if she didn't want me here, she wouldn't have let me get the pizza. It gets a bit hazy for me here because this is where all the trauma happened, but I'm pretty sure that I told him that he was disgusting, and this led to him being enraged. He stood up, bent towards me, and screamed, I haven't done anything wrong. What did I do? I'm a good boy. I've got a good heart. Tell me. Tell me what I did. How would you feel if someone said stuff like that about you? It's whack, because even though I saw exactly what he had been doing, and the effect it had had on the teenage girl at the counter, I felt like I was wrong for telling him to stop. He was right up close to me now, yelling, full on raging out, and I wasn't sure what he was going to do next. I just kept my eyes locked on his and tried to look like I wasn't afraid of him, while also anticipating any incoming acts of violence. He was steadfast with his screaming. It's at this point, the eldest of the workers came from the kitchen and said, stop yelling. If you're going to yell, you have to leave. He halted his tirade, and his entire demeanor changed. Now he was rather jovial and consolatory. He put his fist out to fist bump me, and he's going, you're a good guy. I can tell, or something to that effect. I wouldn't bump him, and he sat back down. Now he was just talking at me, blabbering and the like. Wasn't really listening at this point, but I did tell him that I didn't want to talk. The girl he had been targeting was just staring with these big freaked out eyes. They fast-tracked his pizza and tried to send him on his way. Once he got out the door, he began talking to this really big guy and was now pointing at me through the window. I spoke to the girl and she thanked me profusely even though I didn't really do anything. I actually felt like I had made it worse. She said she gets really freaked out because he comes by when none of the male workers are at the shop. She also said that the guy had found her on Facebook and had been incessantly sending her messages. I told her to make sure that her parents knew and maybe to tell the police. Turns out that the big guy at the front was the owner of the shop. The girl had called him and he'd come back to the store. He finished talking to the guy and went back behind the counter. But afterwards, after taking a few feet away from the door, the creeper let out the longest, guttural, and rage-filled scream I've ever heard. I'm guessing his ban had been re-explained to him. I genuinely worry that maybe the workers weren't taking this guy's behavior and fixation on this teenage girl as the dangerous threat that it is. He was unreasonable and irrational, and just all around, one of the creepiest people I've encountered in a while. He had this energy to him, this sort of juvenile malignancy. Who knows what he's capable of? I've thought about that young woman a few times in these last few weeks, although I have no idea where this went from here. I'm just glad that that night, while I was present, it never had the chance to escalate further. I've gone back and forth, debating on whether I would post this here, but the more I think about it, the more unsettled I actually feel. For background, 
I'm a 23-year-old woman, and I live in my city alone. There's a bar down the road for me where I sometimes go after work to have a much-needed drink. The other day, when my car was in the shop, and I was in the mood to chill at the bar and eat some greasy food, I texted my friend and asked if she wanted to meet me there. She said yes and offered me a ride, but I knew that she had obligations she needed to get to and wouldn't be able to stay long. I told her that I was fine. I'd call myself a cheap Uber to get home when the time came. As soon as my friend leaves the bar, this man, bald, tall, skinny, probably in his mid-sixties, comes over and immediately takes her seat. At this point, I'm waiting on the to-go order that I made, and I was actively searching for an Uber. I was having a difficult time finding one, and he had to be watching my frustration, because he asked, Can't find a ride? To which I reply, I'm trying to find an Uber, and it's just taking longer than I'm used to. Oh, do you live close? I can take you. Mm, no thank you, man. I'll wait for my Uber. Minutes later, he tells me that he found me a lift, and they'll be there in four minutes. I tell him that I'm going to find my own Uber, but thank you for the concern. Five minutes pass, and I can feel his eyes boring into me. He receives a phone call, and once he gets my attention, he says that it's from the lift driver, and he lets me know that they're there, if I'm still interested, and want a ride. Once more, I decline. At this point, my order has arrived and I'm out the door. I walk out and find an Uber relatively quickly after the fact, while waiting on the sidewalk. And I didn't think too much about this interaction as I was just happy to get home. But the more I think about it, this man was so adamant about getting me a lift, but he didn't even know where I was going. What was the destination for that ride? I'm thanking that inner feeling that I got that told me not to accept a ride from that man or whoever he had arranged that lift with. Hey everybody, if you're watching this, then you may already know that this is a big upload for us here at the channel. This is our 100th volume of disturbing true stories ripped from Reddit. When I started this channel almost a year ago, I had no idea that it would catch on the way that it has, and I'm grateful for each and every one of you that shares your time and energy here while helping this community to grow and bring more eyes to the content that we share. It means a lot to me personally, and I just want to share some of the positivity that you all have imparted upon me. How? By doing a malevolent mischief giveaway to commemorate this event. We did our very first one of these around the holiday season of 2022, and while it went amazingly, I think that this one is primed to be even bigger. And what better way to commemorate our 100th episode than by giving away $100 to one lucky subscriber. You'll find the rules and restrictions for this contest on screen now. Take your time to read these instructions carefully as it's on you to follow them precisely. Missing a step may be the difference between walking away with a sweet prize or simply walking away. Follow the few steps necessary, abide by the requests, and you might just be the winner. This contest will run for a single week, with the winner being randomly drawn and announced via a pinned comment on this 
and coming uploads. These guidelines will only be posted in this video, so please take note. Thank you all for helping me to grow as both a creator and a person. I look forward to sharing many more uploads with you all. Good luck. This story took place in the year 2003, when I was a 14-year-old girl, still living in my home country of Uruguay. My best friend at the time, same age as me, was my neighbor, who lived with her mother and grandmother three houses down from mine. We had been friends since we were babies, we grew up together, went to the same school, moved in the same social circle, went on vacation together, shared clothes. CDs, food, we were basically sisters. Our families were that close. Her mom, early 30s at the time, was a single mom working as a secretary. They didn't have it too bad. Between her salary and the grandmother's pension, they lived comfortably and without any major setbacks. Her mom started seeing a foreign guy who was in the country for business. He claimed to be from Spain, but he had a funny accent as if he was originally from Italy or another non-Spanish-speaking country. He was allegedly rich. Despite staying in a rinky-dink hotel, he would often show pictures of himself in a very luxurious residence. He said it was his house in Ibiza. Pictures of him driving a red sports car, a photo of him in front of the Eiffel Tower, and so on. After a month and a half or so of dating, my friend's mom said they were leaving the country in perhaps the next six to seven months. She was in love with this guy, and he had promised her a life of luxury in Europe, and everything was going to be perfect. The country they were moving to? Spain. Her and her daughter. The grandmother couldn't come. At least not yet. She was supposed to join them in the future, after they had settled in. But, at the same time, wasn't he rich? There were lots of red flags from the get. This is where I come in. Since I was such good friends with Maritza, the guy had told Maritza's mom to bring me along for vacation, that it would be good for Maritza and make the transition easier. I was, of course, thrilled. A month in Europe with my best friend who was moving away, the idea of going to see her every summer and stay at her stepfather's mansion, it was kind of a dream. My parents, of course, weren't so thrilled at first. But as they got to know him, they liked him. And eventually, he had won them over too. Soon, I had gotten a little weekend job as a waitress at my uncle's restaurant to help my parents with the plane ticket and other costs. We got my passport. We were ready to go. As the months went by, it became evident that I wasn't going to be able to go. The money I had saved wasn't enough. It didn't even cover half of the ticket. My parents couldn't come up with the money for the rest of the trip. A week or so before they left, the guy came to my house and spoke to my parents. He offered to pay for my entire plane ticket. My parents politely declined. I was fuming. I swore I would never talk to my parents again. I didn't come out of my room for days. Although I eventually got over it. By the time that the day had arrived to take Maritza and her family to the airport, and say goodbye. We cried, we hugged, we promised each other that we would meet up next summer, 
By then I would already have the money saved. They left, and we never heard from them again. First days went by, then weeks, then months, and nothing. I remember the grandmother, the pain on her face, the night she went on without sleeping, home alone without her daughter and granddaughter, who were supposed to call her as soon as they arrived in Spain, and yet they never did. Ultimately, they were reported as missing. Surprisingly enough, the guy had given out his real name. So after the cops got involved, turns out he had this huge record in Spain and Italy and had been in jail for drugs, prostitution, kidnapping, extortion, and only God knows what else. The police told the family that they were most likely sold into a human trafficking ring, that this was very common, and that sadly there were too many cases like it. And there was nothing that we could do, except wait. Last time anyone saw them, or had any account of them at all, was at the airport in Sevilla, Spain, when they arrived, but nothing else. It breaks my heart to this day, and to think that if my parents had said yes, I likely wouldn't be here as well, since chills down my spine, actually. Sometimes I look Maritza up on Facebook in hopes that I'll find her. Maybe she regained her life and her freedom, but nothing ever shows up. Her grandmother died in 2013, too. Sadly, without ever seeing or hearing about her daughter and granddaughter again.